Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer. I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for this episode today, I'd like to talk to you about the Old Testament figure, Achan, and some myths about sin. But before we do, let's set the stage a little bit. The nation of Israel had concluded 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. All of those who had come out of Egypt as adults in the beginning are no longer with them, save for Joshua and Caleb. They have now crossed the flooded Jordan River, which was miraculously divided by God so that they could cross over. They are now on the western side of the Jordan. They are in the land of Palestine. They have created the monument of 12 stones commemorating the crossing and have camped in Gilgal east of Jericho. All of the Israelite males are circumcised because circumcision had not been practiced during the years of the wilderness wandering. Following God's instructions, they enjoy an astonishing victory at the city of Jericho, a key city in their conquest of central Palestine. They focus, under the leadership of Joshua, on their next objective in their campaign to capture Canaan, the Promised Land. Part of the instruction concerning the destruction of Jericho are found in Joshua chapter 6, verses 7 and 18. Let's read what it says, 17 and 18. And the city shall be under the band. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the band, lest you covet them and take some of the things under the band, so that you would make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. Ai, a small town, was next in line for the conquest. So we move over to Joshua chapter 7, look at verses chapter 2 through 15. This is what happened. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethhaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. Only about two or three thousand men need go up to Ai. For do not make all the people toil there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shabarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. Both he and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, 
Why dost thou ever bring this people over the Jordan, only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say, since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do for thy great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up! Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I have commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban, and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you any more unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. In the morning, then, you shall come near by your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And it shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Now, without taking the time to read the rest of the account, we find that the guilty man was named Achan. He had stolen a garment, silver and gold, from Jericho, and buried them in the dirt in the midst of his tent. He and all of his were utterly destroyed. After this matter had been taken care of, Israel once again went up against Ai. This time, with the guidance and the help of God, they were victorious. Achan's case illustrates the power of sin. What he did caused a whole nation to suffer. Someone may say, yeah, but that was back in the days of the Old Testament. What about now? Well, the Hebrew writer compares sin back then and sin now in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He said, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Again from Hebrews, this time chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, we find anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? The point is, sin is sin. And the case of Achan refutes three very popular myths about sin. I've heard many people say, it won't hurt just this one time, with reference to a sin. Many people seem to think that one sin just won't hurt. I wonder if Achan felt the same way. 
because his one sin certainly hurt him greatly, along with his family, his nation, and the cause of his God. Do not be deceived. One sin does hurt. Eve's sin introduced death into the world. Moses' sin caused him to miss Canaan. Nadab and Abihu's one sin cost them their lives in a fiery end. Uzzah stuck out his hand to steady the Ark of the Covenant, one sin, and it cost him his life. Ananias and Sapphira lied in Acts chapter 5, and it cost them their lives. I wonder if they considered it a little white lie. Simon the sorcerer was said to be in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity after committing the sin of seeking to buy the ability to impart miraculous spiritual gifts. If anyone thinks that one sin will not hurt, it should be considered that one sin may very well be the launching pad for many, many more. Think about what happens so many times when a person tells a lie. Soon they have to tell another lie to cover that one, and then another, and then another, and so it continues on and on. Think of Joseph's brothers. They were envious of him. This led to hatred even to the point that they could not speak peaceably to him. This was followed by conspiracy and bodily harm. Then they sold him into slavery. And to cover up their heinous crime, conspired again to lie to their father. What about David? Here was a man described as being after God's own heart, but he looked upon a woman to lust after her. This led to the act of fornication. Then, desperately trying to cover his sin, he hatched a sword plot and finally had the woman's husband murdered. Did his one sin hurt? Later in Psalm 51, verses 2 and 3, David would write, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Consider 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. This is one of Paul's charges to Timothy, and it gives us a good indication that apostasy from the Lord occurs one step at a time, one sin after another. The passage says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to Miz. Do you see what happened? First, they will not endure sound doctrine. These are the folks who get mad at sound preaching, preaching that truly not only exhorts, but also reproves and rebukes. Next, they accumulate for themselves teachers who will scratch their itching ears. That means they go to seek a teacher who will teach just what they want to hear in the way they want to hear it. And then finally, they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. There it is. Going, going, gone. It didn't happen all at once. It started with one sin, getting angry with sound doctrine. Each sin we commit weakens the resistance to the next. Every sin hurts. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's nobody's business what I do. If I sin, it's my business. 
Well, as we have seen, Achan's sin affected the entire nation. It hindered and slowed down their progress in capturing Cana. His sin caused all the children of Israel to be rebuked. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1 says, Therefore the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. In verse 11, God said, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. My friends, Achan's sin caused the whole nation to suffer defeat. Look at verse 12. Therefore the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. Think of the fornicator of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul wrote, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Now it is true that some sins, because of their personal nature, only hurt the individual in his or her relationship to God. But all too often an individual sin has a way of hindering the gospel of Christ and hurting other members of the sinner's family and other members of the congregation. One more myth concerning sin that Aiken's case explodes. That is the idea that sin can be successfully hidden indefinitely. I imagine that Aiken thought he'd done a pretty good job of hiding his sin. It was hidden in the ground in the midst of his tent. Who would find it there? But God knew all along, and ultimately all Israel found out about it. Every diligent reader of God's word knows what he did. Moses warned the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, with the words, Be sure your sin will find you out. A person can never sin and rightly feel secure in the belief that no one will ever know. There are just far too many ways for even secret sins to become known for anyone to be so foolish as to think that it can't happen. I read a story about two preachers traveling far away from home who decided to stop in a bar and have a drink. After all, they were so far away from anyone who knew them, and they were certain that their secret sin would never be known. Since nobody knew them and nobody knew they were preachers, they figured no harm would be done. As they were about to leave, they got into a mild argument about who would pay the bill. While they were discussing the matter, the bartender leaned over real confidentially and said, That's all right, fellas. We don't charge preachers in here anyway. Don't ever count on your sins remaining hidden. But even if a man never does know, God always does. From the time it is conceived in our minds until it is actually committed, God knows. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 tells us, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He has also provided a way out if we will just look for it. More often than we may realize, our actions are not as hidden as others as we thought they might be. You might recall back in Exodus chapter 2 with Moses and the Egyptian who was beating the Hebrew. In verse 12 we read, So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. But as we go on down to verse 14 we find, But he said, Who made you a prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely this matter has become known. We may be more transparent than we thought. We may be seen even when we are not aware of it. Guilt has a way of showing itself as well. 
But even if no one on earth ever knows, God knows and will judge us according to the works done in the body, whether good or bad. My friends, one sin that we refuse to repent of can make a huge difference. Let's not kid ourselves about it. One sin does hurt. One sin may very well hurt someone else. One sin may very well be found out by others. It is already known by the Lord. Let us never minimize the damage sin can do to ourselves and others. We're talking about eternal matters. Thanks for listening.